Connecting, recording. Hello, thank you for joining us today. We are going to be chatting about career services during the time of COVID this afternoon. And I have some wonderful guest stars with me today. Uh, first, my name is Shelly Snyder. Uh, I am the Assistant Director of Career Services for the Purdue School of Engineering and Technology at IUPUI. I know that's a very long name. <laughs> Uh, I've been at IUPUI since 2012, and before I came to work at IUPUI, I was a recruiter and human resource manager for almost 13 years, and so now I share all of those insider secrets with our students to help them find jobs and internships. Um, next, I will turn it over to Willow. Hi everybody, I'm Willow King-Lock. I am the Executive Director of Academic Advising and Career Services at the same school that Shelly is in. I started in this role in January, but have been in Career Services for over 13 years and in higher education for 15 years. So a lot of education experience and I've been doing this a long time, but love working with students. Thank you, Willow. And our third panelist today uh, is Amy. I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, everyone. This is Amy Wilson. I am the Career Services Coordinator, same place as Willow and Shelly in the School of Engineering and Technology. I have been at IPY for almost five years. It's hard to believe, but I've been here for almost five years. And Prior to coming to IEPUI, I had a past life in HR. I dabbled in a little bit of everything as far as HR is concerned, but spent the majority of my time in recruiting. Great. Thank you both so much for, for being here today. Uh, what we're going to do over the next uh, 20 minutes or so is just talk a little bit about the job search process. Uh, what are some steps you can take as a, a current student, an alumni, or um, as someone who is uh, recently uh, um embarking on the job search um, uh, to, to, to find those positions. We're gonna talk a little bit about some statistics that we are seeing from employers in the area about uh, what their uh, intentions are for the next six months or so. We'll talk a little bit about how to be professional during the time of uncertainty. Um, it is uh, uh, certainly easy to uh, 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 be impatient during this time, uh, but we're going to uh, teach you a couple things about how to maintain your professionalism. We'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, most frequent questions that we have received from our students, and then we'll just kind of close it out. So how does that agenda sound, ladies? Sounds Get started. All right, let's do this. Um, so the first thing uh, we talk about when we talk about the job search process is creating documents. So this would be your resume or your cover letter. Um, when it comes to resumes, we always recommend that a one page is really sufficient. Um, employers tend to not want to look through more than one page. On average, employers are spending about six seconds on a resume the first time they look at it. So concise is important, um, making sure to use bullet points instead of paragraphs when you are describing your positions, um, making sure that you are using your .edu email address for as long as you can on your resume. Um, short and concise is important. Um, there are a full range of sample resumes on our website for every major that we counsel. Um, and we also encourage y'all to do cover letters. Uh, sometimes cover letters don't uh, aren't required. Sometimes cover letters um, don't get read, <laughs> but if I am a recruiter and I have two candidates in front of me and I have one with, and their qualifications are the same, and one of them has submitted a cover letter and one of them hasn't, I'm more inclined to speak to the one who took the time to do the cover letter. So uh, encouraging uh, all students to do cover letters when they do their resume um, submittals. Uh, Amy and Willow, anything you wanna add to the create document section? I think it's important to keep your reader in mind. So you wanna have a different resume for the different kinds of positions you're applying for. So if you're looking for just a job right now to pay the bills, you wanna tailor it to those kind of jobs. If you're looking for your postgraduate career, you're going to be a mechanical engineer, really think about the things that the person reading it wants to know about. Yeah, and I would say going back to resumes, I would say if I looked at a resume initially for 
six seconds, that was generous. For me, it was more so like three seconds. And if you had a second page to your resume, I wasn't even able to see it without clicking through a few screens, which quite frankly was too much work when I had, you know, a thousand plus resumes to go through. Um, as far as cover letters are concerned, I kind of take a little bit of a different stance on them. Sometimes I see students struggle with cover letters because they kind of get writer's block and don't know what to put because we tell them, hey, you should be doing these for every single job you apply for. And that can take a lot of time. So yes, if it's required, you absolutely need to have one. Um, yes, if it's your dream job, absolutely go ahead and use one, even if it's not required. But if you're finding yourself spending hours on one cover letter and it's preventing you from applying to a certain number of jobs, I would say go ahead and start skipping them. Um, I would hate to see someone, you know, apply for three jobs when they can apply for 10 without a cover letter because you just have a better chance of getting a job the more you apply. Absolutely. That's wonderful advice from both of you. Thank you. Uh, the next step in the process we recommend is after you have your documents ready to go, applying for positions. And there are lots of places you can apply for positions. Um, there are the traditional job boards like Indeed, Monster.com, CareerBuilder. My two very favorite websites to find out about open positions are ET Careers and MyCCO. Uh, ET Careers is a website that our office maintains that whenever an employer reaches out to us we uh, and wants to hire one of our students, we have them go out to ET Careers and post those jobs. And so what's really good about ET Careers is that, number one, we go through and we verify that those employers who are wanting to post are legitimate businesses. And uh, number two, the employers that are posting jobs in there uh, tend to uh, be looking for students who are currently enrolled in school or recently graduated. So the number of years of experience is usually in line with what our students have. Uh, my, so the ET Careers is the IEPY version for uh, uh, engineering and technology students. Then we also have access to my CTO, which is the West Lafayette version of that same system. Um, outside of the job boards and looking online, uh, networking is what we very highly recommend, uh, especially right now. Uh, we recommend that, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to the people that you know in your networks that, that care about you, uh, you know, your family, your friends, and, and seeing who they have connections to. Uh, you never know, the, the, your mom's best friend might live next door to the CEO of the company that you want to work for someday. So uh, reaching out to those people, letting them know that you are searching. Uh, another thing that we recommend is informational interviews. And this is where uh, you find someone who works in the industry that you want to work in or, or does the type of job that you did want to do. And you invite them to coffee, uh, probably virtual coffee right now, right? <laughs> um, and, and you just ask them about their background. So where did they go to school? Uh, what did they major in? Uh, what sort of uh, um, uh, professional associations do they belong to? Um, what do they like about their job? What do they not like about their job? What's really good about an informational interview is that you can skip some of the roadblocks that these people encountered because you learn from them uh, some things that maybe you shouldn't do. Um, applying for positions. Uh, Willow and Amy, what advice do you have on those? Okay, so I've got a huge pet peeve when it comes to informational interviews that I, ha I have to spread the word on it because it drives me crazy. So think of an informational interview as though it's a date. You would never go on a first date and ask someone to marry you, or at least most people won't. So please do not ask for an informational interview and end it with, hey, can you get me a job? Because that's like asking them to marry you. And it will freak them out. They will run the other way. They will think you're a stage five clinger. So my best advice, everyone's laughing. My best advice is to just keep it light, play it cool. Ask them about themselves. People have nothing but time on their hands right now. They like talking about themselves. Help them fill their day. But please do not ask them for a job the first time you talk to them. You want them to like you, get to know you before we start heading down the can you get me a job path. 
I love that so much, Amy. And uh, that ties very nicely to the information on our website about informational interviews, where we talk, we have sample letters that you can send to people that you want to network with that specifically states that, you know, they're not looking for a job. They're looking to make connections with people to learn about what they're doing in their jobs. Willow, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I would say this really does work. I worked, so I used to work with the School of Science and we had a psychology major that had a speaker from Lilly in her class one day, just a random psychology class. And she went up and talked to them at the end of the class and ended up, it turned into a job. Now it didn't turn into a job in that conversation, but she kept touch with the person and became an ergonomic engineer, which is a really cool job for a psychology major. Uh, So it really is just talking to people. And like Amy said, people have time right now, uh, but you also don't want to just send them, here's a list of questions, please answer them via email. I know when I've gotten those, I tend to look at that as, I'm not going to do your homework, but I will talk to you on the phone. I'll talk to you in a Zoom call, uh, but just reaching out to people and being friendly and professional. Yeah, I'll put in the show notes, I saved some horror story emails that I used to receive as a recruiter because I used to get them all the time. So I'll put some in the show notes so you guys can see exactly what we're talking about. Thank you. And in terms of applying for positions, I know we're talking about, you know, a lot of places are in a hiring freeze, it's coronavirus. Um, We'll put this in the show notes as well, but there's some good sites to follow as far as like, where are the jobs? So there's candor.co, C-A-N-D-O-R.co, and that is real live, um, in real time hiring updates from different companies. And it's literally thousands of companies that are on there and you can see, do they have a hiring freeze? Are they actively hiring? Um, What have people reported? Um, The Muse has something similar. Um, And like I said, I'll put all this in the show notes, but then you can also follow um, hashtag get hired on LinkedIn. And then that'll show you companies that are hiring as well, because not everyone is in a hiring freeze right now. And as things get better, uh, companies will start to undo those as well. Yeah, I feel like the Muse is something we don't talk about a whole lot, but I love that website. Go check it out if you haven't. I feel like it has modern day advice. Sometimes when students come and talk to us, like we can tell that maybe they've been asking someone who hasn't had to look for a job since, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff changed the game a little bit. Um, But the Muse has really usually unique, interesting advice. I'm not going to say that I love every single thing that's on there, but um, it has generally really good modern, modern day job searching advice. I love that. That's great. And another site that is good for just kind of those random work type questions is askamanager.org. You can always come to us, of course, but that's another place you can go if you're looking for some sort of job search, how to handle a certain situation, and it's two in the morning advice. That's great. I didn't know about a lot of those sources. (laughs) Yeah, don't call us at two in the morning. Go on Ask a Manager, (laughs) but you can definitely email us. Yes. Um, So after you have your documents created and you apply for positions, um, keep in mind that you are going to apply to more positions than you are going to get invited to do an interview for. Um, It's kind of the name of the game. So uh, it is it is a volume game. Um, uh, You just have to apply, apply, apply um, and keep applying even after you get invited to do an interview. Uh, Just because you got invited to do an interview doesn't mean that you have secured that position. So keep applying on the side. Um, Speaking of interviews, uh, some of the work that we do in our office is to help students get ready for those experiences. So um, uh, interviews can be uh, uh, scary for some people. They can be exciting for other people. Um, uh, We help students by preparing them through what we call mock interviews. So that's where um, uh, we get on a a typically some sort of Zoom call with the student. Uh, We turn on the recorder. We ask them some uh, interview questions ranging from uh, tell us about yourself to uh, tell us about a time you had to work with a, a difficult uh, you know, customer or, or coworker. Um, and then we record those answers and we watch the recording and we give you feedback on your answers from our perspective um, as career services people and former recruiters. So we are still doing those mock interviews. Um, 
I don't care how good of a salesperson you think you are, <laughs> you should do a mock interview. <laughs> uh, there is uh, lots of things that you can do to prepare and uh, interviewing is way more than just how you answer the questions. It is how you present yourself, your eye contact, all of those things. Um, if you're not able to get in with one of us for a mock interview, we do have an online version called VMock on our website that you can do at two in the morning if you want to, you know, maybe we have some night owls listening in. Uh, what advice do y'all have about interviewing? Oh my gosh, I could go on and on about interviewing. A lot of Willow go first. So I was thinking I've probably done thousands of mock interviews over the last 13 years. Um, and the biggest thing I see from students is they're not giving good like specific answers they stay very very general and very vague a lot of uh, interviewers use behavioral based interviewing questions and i think we're going to do a whole podcast on interviewing because it's so important but just giving specific examples telling them stories from your past about what you've done and how you've done it uh, and that will really help sell you're giving them context for your answers you're not just saying yeah i'm a great communicator it's here's how i've used my communication skills yeah um I think for me, when I was interviewing students as a recruiter, oftentimes I found students like overcompensating because they were nervous or they didn't really know the answer to my question instead of just being like, I'm not really sure, but I'll learn it. Like being genuine got you so far in interviews. Um, chances are when you're interviewing and you're either recently graduated or you're an intern, they don't expect you to know everything. I think sometimes students get freaked out because they think they have to be masters at the job that they're interviewing for. And that's just not the case when you're a student. Like no reasonable employer is going to expect you to know all that. They might put a little bit of pressure on you. Um, I can't say that I wasn't kind of a mean recruiter sometimes <laughs> when I would do answer, you know, when I would ask questions, if I felt like someone really was, I don't know, acting really like overconfident, I would ask them crazy questions that I knew that they didn't know the answers to just to see how they would squirm. Um, so, you know, just make sure that you're being yourself, be genuine, be a polished version of yourself. That's usually the advice that I give. You don't want to be like, you know, all crazy, but um, definitely be yourself because they can tell if you're not. That absolutely true. And there are different types of interview interviewers. So there are people who have never interviewed before. There are people who you will be their first interview. Uh, there will be people who will try to apply pressure to you uh, on purpose. I used to do interviews uh, schedules for a vice president in the IT world. And he would, no matter what time of day I scheduled those interviews for, he would be 20 minutes late for those interviews every Every single time and he would do that because he was hiring people for a very high pressure job and he wanted to see how did they react when they were put under pressure like that so um, uh, there's lots of things about interviewing that we will talk about in a future podcast but in the meantime go check out our website um, oh, sorry, Shelly, I interrupted you. I think one of the other things, you know, talking about interviews right now, it's going to be a virtual interview. And so thinking about the screen that's behind you, thinking about obviously what you're wearing, at least what's going to be shown, and then framing your face, if it's a video interview, in a way that's that huge, flattering. <laughs> they don't want to look up your nose. Um, have a good camera. I know for me, uh, we're doing this in the evening because my husband took my children out of the house so they don't scream in the background. So if you've got a dog or a roommate or whatever, it's really important to let everybody know what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a company actually that lists, there's a, a company that was on a Facebook group that I'm a part of for um, HR professionals in Indianapolis. And they were kind of making a list of things to help educate their interviewees on how to best perform during these virtual interviews. And one of the things they said was that interruptions are going to happen. Everyone's at home all together right now, for the most part, dogs, kids, other family members. And so if you know that you have a dog that might go crazy if somebody walks by, before the interview even starts, say something like, I'm at home with my Labrador retriever. He might try to chime in. I apologize in advance. Or I've got crazy kids. They may. I'll try to contain them. They may jump in. So that kind of helps set the tone that they know you're thinking about it and that you're going to do your best um, to prevent it. 
I love all of that. Um, so it, it, you know, I know that we all have some uh, uh, great interview stories to share uh, uh, in our, our future podcast. So uh, uh, tune in for that. That'll be one of our favorites, I think, to, to talk about. Um, and then uh, the last kind of step in the process that we recommend is that uh, um, hopefully after you go through the interview process, you'll get an offer. Hopefully you'll get more than one offer. Um, and so uh, navigating that process, you know, if you decide to not take an offer with a company, how to handle that. Uh, if you do decide to take an offer with a company, but you want to ask for more money or more, uh, I don't know, parking allowance or more vacation time, there's lots of things you can negotiate for. And, and we can help you with all of that. Uh, one of the things we do when our students graduate is we ask them, uh, where did you get your first job after graduation and um, what is your annual salary and we take that information and we um, uh, uh, average it out by major and then we share it on our website so uh, uh, make sure you know how much you should be getting offers for and uh, come and talk to us because we can teach you how to ask for more money I know that that's a very nerve-wracking thing to do um, uh, but we're, we're all very good at it <laughs> uh, also I encourage students to report your offers. So if you have an offer, uh, if you get an offer sometime soon, uh, uh, please tell us about it because we love to have that information and that data so that we can make sure that we're working from the most recent information. Uh, we will do a future podcast on negotiating, uh, but what uh, a quick uh, high-level advice do uh, you two have about it? I think right now students are worried about getting lower offers because of you know, we're maybe heading into a, you know, like I said, lower job numbers and things like that. It's still okay to negotiate your offer. Uh, the research shows they looked at people that graduated in 2008. The lower you start out, it could affect your future earnings because you're starting lower. Nobody's going to hold it against you if you negotiate in a professional way. So still know what you're worth, negotiate, and but be realistic that the offer might be a little bit lower than last year's class. My best advice, and it usually is a little bit of an icebreaker because I feel like people really struggle to start that conversation when it comes to negotiating. So my best advice, this was something that my first job out of school, and I was one of those people who was trying to get a job when it was really bad, 2008, 2009. So I can tell you from experience that I was one of those students that was just going to be grateful to have a job. Um, and I had a manager at the time from my internship tell me, just start the conversation as, hey, thank you so much for the offer. I'm really excited about it. Um, before we move forward, I wanted to know if this offer is negotiable. And that way you know if you should even spend your time asking for the things that you want for, um, because sometimes offers aren't negotiable and it's not because they don't want to give you money, it's just because they maybe don't have the resources to do it. So um, asking the question is an easy way to start that conversation and know kind of what you're gonna be up against. Love it. Thank you very much for that. Um, so that is the part of the presentation where we or podcast where we talk about the job search process. Um, uh, of course, there are uh, lots of nuances to it and uh, lots more information that we have to share. Um, uh, going to a, a one of our uh, six drop-ins that we have, six drop-in options every week. We also take individual appointments um, or listen into a future podcast where we go into uh, deeper detail about each of these topics. Next up on the agenda, we're going to talk about employment statistics. Um, uh, so this would be uh, information that we have received from employers in the area and uh, uh, nationwide about what their intentions are uh, during the COVID situation. Uh, Willow, would you mind enlightening us on some of that? Yeah, she's the numbers person, not me. Ah. <laughs> So I looked on ET Careers today and there are 300 jobs posted right now. That's full-time jobs and internships. And that's a little bit down from where we were last year, but not significantly. Um, we are getting more and more internships posted every day. Um, we also did some digging into Indiana-based internships. That's from a, an organization called indianaintern.net. And they also post internships as well that we pull into our website but they asked employers around the state what they were doing. Um, and 
74% of those employers were still planning to hire interns. They weren't changing their plans at all. Um, the biggest of the group that were changing their plans were looking at delaying start dates, which some of you probably already heard about, um, or possibly taking things online or pushing um, down the hours that students are going to be working for that internship. Um, only about 3% were going to lower the wage. So the hourly wage was going to go down, but that's 3% out of all the people that they talked to. Um, and when we look nationally, it's a similar picture. A lot of employers honestly still don't know what they're, what they're doing as far as hiring plans for next year. So um, about 60% of employers are not planning to revoke any offers. Um, the rest of them, basically, they're not really sure. Um, they're think there's 20, another 20% 20 that are thinking about it. Um, they're looking at you know, their budgets and what their clients are doing right now. Um, and internships are more likely to be revoked right now than full-time offers. Um, and I think we're gonna talk a little bit later about what if you do get an internship offer rescinded and kind of how to handle that. But things still look good. I think just everybody's kind of wait, waiting to see right now. What does fall look like? Um, what does the summer look like? And so I think it, it's honestly being patient, which I know is easy for me to say I have a job um, and you all are looking, but I think it's being patient and being professional and like we said, doing all these things that we're talking about right now, networking and putting yourself out there. Yeah, thank you for all of that. Uh, it, when we got those numbers in uh, from the, the state survey, I was pleasantly surprised, uh, especially I think um, for our industry, industry uh, you know, for engineering and technology students, I think that uh, while it's not completely pandemic proof. Uh, I, I do think that uh, engineering and technology jobs are probably going to be um, a little more stable than, than some other industries. Um, so Amy, um, let's talk about being professional during this uncertain Love this topic. This is one of my favorites. So right? I already kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, but I manage the internship and co-op program for engineering technology. So by default, um, when some of this stuff with COVID started happening, I was getting panicky phone calls from students who maybe are unsure if they're going to still have an internship. Maybe they've had an internship rescinded, which we've only had a handful, but still more than we want. Um, and the thing is, is that as much as you want to cry and scream and be upset, you still have to have a little bit of a poker face. You have to maintain your professionalism, even when it's really hard to do so. Um, and I would say that having an offer of any kind rescinded is a really difficult position to be in. Yes. Um, you know, it's something to kind of think about that you will have under your belt. You will have experienced it. Um, I've been telling my students that have had that happen to them that, you know, they'll be able to relate to people a little bit more in the future um, because they will have gone through this experience. Um, a lot of the things when, when students call me, a lot of the things they ask about is, okay, you know, things are uncertain. How often do I reach out? When I do reach out, what the heck am I going to say to these people? Um, and so obviously every situation is a little bit different. So I'll throw out a couple scenarios. If you have had an internship secured and they had to rescind the offer, so they're not going to have their internship program this year, and they said to you, but, you know, we really would like to have you in the fall or even next summer, maybe you're going to be on a priority list. Basically, they're leaving the door open for a future opportunity. Um, I would say the best time to reach out to those people is going to be late summer, early fall just because that's when recruiting starts to happen for summertime. Um, and honestly, I don't know that they're gonna really have a good grasp on what they're doing for spring or fall until we get a couple weeks into the summer. So um, that's kind of the time frame as far as how often to be reaching out to them. If you have a definite answer about what's going on with your internship, reach out one time before the start of, you know, I would say before the start of fall semester, maybe late summer. Um, but you don't want to be bugging them every week just because they don't know what's going on. <laughs> I know, I know that's hard to hear. Um, but they truly don't know what's going on and you want to give them time to figure it out. Otherwise, even if they are responding to you, let's say you're, you're, you know, reaching out every week, eager beaver, 
they, number one, they're probably going to get annoyed with you. So you don't want that. And number two, they don't have necessarily an update for you yet. So it would be better for all parties if you wait until they may have some better information to give you by reaching out maybe one time. Um, now, that advice changes a little bit if you're in a situation where you're supposed to be receiving updates. Maybe you haven't heard from them. Maybe you still might have an internship this summer or a job offer that's starting this summer. I would say every two to three weeks is reasonable um, to be reaching out asking for updates. And it really make, you know, you really got to make sure that you're not um, wording the emails unprofessionally or in a way that, again, is going to annoy them. So really what you need to be doing is making sure that you're adding in some sort of language about how, you know, this is a stressful or busy time. You understand internships may not be their top priority at the moment. You would really appreciate an update if and when they have one. You know, make it, again, play it cool, easy breezy. Don't send them an email that says, I need an update right now, because they're not going to answer you. Um, the other thing I've been telling students when I've been talking to them is, you know, just put yourself in the shoes of a recruiter for a minute. And I actually say this even when we're not in a pandemic situation. Um, oftentimes, I would not give my business card out at career fairs. And sometimes students will look at me like, that's so awful. That's so mean. Why would you not do that? And I was like, are you crazy? I do not need thousands of people calling me. I am one person. Um, our recruiting team was pretty small for the size company that I was in. There was four of us for a huge organization. So, um, you know, if I gave my information out readily, people would be calling me off the hook. People would sometimes show up. Sometimes they still found my number. So I had to be really cautious about that. Um, but, you know, request them on LinkedIn. That's an, like a way to stay connected. Maybe you'll potentially see updates. Recruiters are really good at using LinkedIn to update about what's going on with their organization, especially in terms of hiring, recruiting, freezes, et cetera. Um, the other thing I would say too, because you know, sometimes we have these conversations with students and you almost feel like you're bursting their bubble. Um, like, you know, this is never going to get better. And the truth is that it is going to get better. And I truly believe that most recruiters want interns. They don't want to lose their interns. Um, and reason being is because that's the pipeline of people that they pull from for jobs. So what better way to hire somebody than an intern that you already know does great work and fits in culturally and is going to be awesome. Um, so they are working hard to get their internships up and running. They don't want to rescind offers. Trust me, as a recruiter, that's like the worst possible thing. I don't know, Shelly, if you've ever had to do it. I had to do it one time and it was awful. Um, I've never had to rescind an offer. Um, I had to rescind an invitation to interview before and that was hard. Yeah, like no one wants to do that. They're still real people. They're trying to figure it out too. You know, they're probably worried about their job and their family and they're working from home. Like everyone is kind of in this gray area. So just make sure that you're being professional. You're not reaching out any more than two or three week time spans. And that's only if you're still in that gray area. If they've given you an answer already, you kind of should know then when to reach out. And if you don't, please e you know, email us, call us. We will help you word the emails. I can't tell you how many emails I've written for students in the past two weeks. Um, right. We are happy to do that. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I wordsmith emails all the time for students. And um, the other thing to keep in mind is that a lot of times in engineering firms that it's not an HR person doing the hiring, it's an engineer and their full-time job is still the same and they have to do this recruiting work on top of that. So being extra um, uh, um, uh, patient, I think is, is a good thing. Willow, do you have anything to add on this topic? Yeah, I think it's letting us be the neutral party. Like Amy and Shelly said, we'll take a look at your email and we we don't have skin in the game and we want the best for you, but we can take a look from a objective perspective and see. And I think the other thing is not to read too much into maybe what your friends are doing in terms of their internships. We, we've heard from several companies already that are big employers uh, that hire our students and they've had to let some, resend some intern offers, but not others. They still want to keep those interns engaged, um, even the folks that they're not able to bring on this summer. And so it's not, um, oh, well, my friend at 
X company are, still has their internship, so I'm good too. Uh, it's it's going to be department by department and area by area. So keeping the totally. good education that Amy talked about, but the very professional. I know even as a hiring person myself, I've had those applicants that have crossed the line and bugged me like daily almost, and it's too much. So we we'll get into this for our interview podcast, but I love telling this story because it shows people like kind of the level to which recruiters deal with things sometimes. We had somebody who wanted a job and he had a phone interview, not even in person. And he really wanted the job. He was a new grad and he really wanted to get the recruiter's attention because she didn't have any updates. So she didn't have anything to get back to him yet on. She was working on it. Um, and he sent her flowers like every day to the office for a week to get her attention. I know everyone's horrified. If you could see our faces, we're horrified. Um, and it was just hard because I knew when he did that, he was never going to get the job. No way. And so, you know, um, you just got to play it cool again, but that's like one of my favorite interviewing things. Um, to try to work together for several years and I have never heard that story. I know it was a good one. And yep. he was honestly kind of freaked out. Cause she was like, uh, did he Google my address? Like, can someone walk me to my car? Cause you don't know. Um, but yeah, he sent her flowers every day for a week and it got to the point where security had to start refusing the deliveries. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Don't do that story. That's thank you for that. That's that. Wow. So, um, yeah. Tune into our interviewing podcast. Cause I've got a bunch of those kinds of crazy stories. The interviewing podcast, I think, is going to be my favorite. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so in our last five minutes or so, we're just going to um, uh, uh, talk a little bit about some of the uh, most frequent questions that we have been getting as career services people from our students through appointments and through the drop-ins. Um, Willow, you want to kick off this section? Sure. So I know that we've had the question of, so I've had an internship rescinded. Do I still put it on my resume? And so I think we've probably got, we haven't talked about this a lot. We've different opinions. Um, it depends. And that's my opinion. It depends, which is a lot of what we say. You know, if you have a ton of other stuff, I don't think it needs to go on there. But if you are still kind of looking to get some experience, it can be something you can include if it's going to, you know, beef out your resume a little bit. Uh, obviously, you didn't learn anything in the internship, but you could still include it maybe include some things that you learn instead. Um, and we'll, I've got an example um, that I saw, we can include that in the show notes too. But Amy and Shelly, what do you think? So I got this question originally and it kind of stumped me honestly, because this is a new thing. Um, we have not run across this before. Uh, my advice, my initial off the cuff reaction to the student, and granted, I knew the student's background. He had had several internships. So I knew his resume was full. So that's the caveat to this. But I told him, don't include it on your resume. Um, he had enough to fill his resume already. And quite frankly, he didn't learn anything. And that's ultimately what the employers want to know. However, he did secure an internship at Roche, which if you're in the Indianapolis area, you know, that's a big time employer, especially if you're a BME major. Um, and so I told him that we need to start brainstorming how we're going to start working that into conversations with employers, because I do think it's important to show your hireability. Um, it's easier to get a job if you have a job. If you've ever heard that saying, it kind of goes along with that. Um, so that was my initial reaction for him in particular. I personally think it would be really hard to indicate that on a resume if you haven't learned anything. I don't know exactly how that formatting would look we're creative. I'm sure we can come up with something, but you can talk about it. You can maybe even put it in a cover letter. Um, that would be my take. Yeah, I agree with the cover letter thing. I actually had a student appointment just this afternoon. He had an offer from an organization. And actually, he had two offers and he declined one of them to accept one. And then he heard this week from the one that he accepted that they were going to have to rescind that offer, which is a very sad situation. But I think there are some positives to the fact that they navigated the hiring 
process and that they were offered this position in the first place. So I think talking about that in the cover letter is a good thing to say. Also, for employers who are looking for candidates that are uh, uh, ready to graduate in 2021, this summer is the last summer for a lot of those students to find that final internship. And so being able to explain to employers why you didn't have an internship this summer is going to be an important component also. Great. And I think another piece of that to think about, and we can talk about it here, is what do those students do with that time? So could they work on some technical skills, take a, you know, take some extra classes? What do you guys think? I think volunteering also is a good thing to do because an employer, you know, they understand that you weren't able to complete the experience because of COVID, but they want to see that you were productive with your time. Uh, you weren't just sitting around watching TV and playing video games all day. Totally. Um, I couldn't agree more. I think you just need to make sure that you're doing something valuable with your time. And, you know, I'm even of the idea that if you like taking pictures, maybe you should look into some photography stuff. There's a ton of stuff on Pinterest. There's a lot of free material out there. Maybe you really like Instagram, take a social media marketing class. They've got a lot of information out there. So I don't even know that it necessarily has to be something that's major related. Obviously it's great and perfect if it is, but um, kind of like Shelly said, like the whole, what have you been doing? I used to ask that question all the time, especially if there were gaps on a resume, I would ask the question like, so what have you been doing to fill your time? And the people that could give me an answer, whether it was work related or not, definitely came off way better than people who were like, oh, I don't know, just hanging out. Um, and I have had people tell me that. Yeah, same. They want to see, I think recruiters and employers are going to be completely understanding that this summer, a lot of people are going to not have internships and that's just a fact of life. But what did you do to show initiative? That's what you want to think at the end of the summer. What have you done to show initiative and to learn and to grow as a person in some sort of way, whether it's taking up a hobby that you can talk about, learning a language, um, there's some side passion project that you have and you, you know, did something to further that volunteering. There's so many things you can do. That's not just an internship. Plus, yeah. oh, go ahead, Shelly. You know, if you volunteer at a place um, that's a way for you to network. So you, I, I, back to the, your mom's best friend story. If you volunteer at a place and the CEO of the company you want to work for also volunteers at that place, who knows, maybe they would help you find a position. And I was going to say, too, that I think a lot of people, especially right now with everything going on, have kind of had additional responsibilities put on them as far as family and maybe teaching kids and doing e-learning and all of that. So if you don't have time to learn a second language because you're helping your kid do e-learning all day, that's okay. Just be able to say that in a way that sounds more professional than I just said it um, within an interview, and people are going to totally respect that. Agreed. What other types of questions are, are y'all getting? I've been getting asked a lot about predictions for the future is what I put it on our outline as. Um, you know, they obviously, you know, we can't tell what's gonna happen here and we don't know what's gonna happen, but we've been doing the recruiting thing for a little bit. So kind of, we already touched on this a little bit, but I do think, I think Willow was saying that um, recruiters are gonna be completely understanding that this summer, a little bit of a wash for people. And I don't know that it's going to be so much about having every single perfect internship on your resume. And I don't think it really ever was, but I do think that there are some companies that value it more than others. And so um, I think that there may be a little bit more of an emphasis on how a student presents themselves and how they interview and their likability and are they genuine and will they fit in here? Are, um, are they teachable? That's a huge thing um, that is sometimes, you know, overlooked because students sometimes get hyper-focused on having the exact right experience. And that's just not always going to be possible, especially right now. So my predictions are, I think it'll be interesting. I think, you know, they're going to loosen up a little bit as far as what they're looking for. I think we're going to start to see a lot more virtual recruiting happening. So everyone get real comfortable with your webcam because I think that this is not going away anytime soon. Um, and I think virtual career fairs are definitely going to be a thing of the future, even when everything settles down. 
Absolutely. We are actually one of the biggest career fairs that we have on our entire IUPUI campus is the STEM career fair that happens in September. Last year we had, uh, I want to say it was 80 plus companies there and we had I want to say 1300 students come through the event and so we are looking into ways to make the fall 2020 career fair online yeah yeah a way yeah as employers need to cut their recruiting budget they're going to be looking online but maybe that means it opens up some doors for companies that are farther away you know that they don't have to spend the money to send you fly their people across the country so maybe I'm looking glass half full but maybe it opens up some doors at different kind of companies um, and I think that's the other piece too in terms of we don't know where this is going to go but the more you can sort of stretch yourself in terms of where you're willing to go for a job or an internship uh, what kind of company you know maybe it's not the fortune 500 major company that you're going to work for starting out but you can still get great experience at a small company or maybe you have to move you know all the way to Cincinnati or um, think about a job that's outside of the Indianapolis metro area I know I've had that conversation a lot with students but um, open up the possibilities and think about you know what kinds of things you're willing to do I love that um any other questions you want to try to cover today or do you want to save any others for future podcasts? Let's save some for future. And as you're listening, if you have questions you want us to answer on the next podcast, um, send it to etcareer at iupui.edu or reach out to one of us individually and we'll, we'll answer your question and we'll, maybe we'll answer it on the podcast. I love that. I love that. Um, so in closing, um, I just kind of wanted to go around and um, have each of us uh, uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, what we are um, uh, thinking about um, uh, moving forward and uh, um, ways that we can help. Who'd like to go first? Okay, I'll go. Everyone's looking at me. Um, <laughs> So I mentioned before that when I was graduating from college, it was not a great time in the economy. Um, I was graduating around the 2008-2009 timeframe. So it you were lucky if you got a job offer. Um, even, you know, I went to Purdue West Lafayette, which has a ton of engineers, and even engineers were struggling to get jobs at the time, which was like kind of crazy. Um, I had had an internship for two summers with a huge financial um, organization. And I really didn't want to do that. I knew that that wasn't the job path I was destined for, but that was the job I had. And even then I kind of had to fight a little bit to get that job. I still had to interview and I remember being really nervous, not knowing if I was going to have a job. Um, I had a ton of rejection letters. I had a, a job offer that pretty much fell through at the last minute for a job that I wanted. So I remember it being extremely difficult. And um, a lot of times our professors were giving us pep talks in class. And obviously I don't remember all of that. But the one thing that I remember that kind of stuck out was that um, if you can find a job during a tough time in the economy or the world, whatever it is, you're really kind of setting yourself up to be able to be really resilient for the rest of your life. Because hopefully you will not have to encounter more than one of these types of really difficult situations. Uh, and I would say that that's true. I mean, I really had to be creative in finding jobs and things like that. And I wasn't smart enough to go to career services. So I was doing it on my own. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. The other thing to remember too, is that we're all in the same boat, but we're in a different storm. Yes. I took that from Facebook. I saw it. Um, and I thought it was really good because this is impacting people in much different ways. So just try to move forward with everyone and remember that yes, we're in the same boat, but it's affecting people differently. Be nice to people, be kind to everyone, including recruiters. Um, but we're going to get through it and you know, it won't be like this forever. Great advice. Thank you. Willow? Yeah, so I have a couple small pieces. So I think touching on what Amy talked about, being resilient, like everyone is being resilient right now because you're in your house. Um, you aren't allowed to leave. You, you know, may have lost your part-time serving job and you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills. And, you know, this is 
you know, you're learning about who you are during this. Um, I started in career services in 2007, 2008. So I had a job, but I was helping students find jobs for the first time. Uh, and that was, that was tough. Uh, but I will say that it's a time to learn about yourself. You, everyone will get through this. You know, so no matter what you're doing, how you're feeling, sometimes it's surviving the, the day. You know, I know I said earlier, like maybe you learn a, a new language or pick up a project or something like that. That's great for the people that are bored sitting at home. Um, for those of you that maybe have three little brothers sitting next to you and you're trying to help them with e-learning and trying to get rent paid, even though you're not living in your apartment anymore, you know, it's okay to just get through the day and to take some time for yourself. Um, I will say it teaches you a, kind of who you are. My first job was um, in higher education in a different field and in a very, very small town. And I realized very quickly I was not cut out for a small town, uh, but decided I could do it for two years. I would get really good experience, um, even though there was no target <laughs> in the oh. town. Yeah, no target. If I had a target and a Panera. Um, so very small town. And I it was a, a hall director job. Um, so two in the morning, people were calling me to come do things. Uh, I could tell you all stories, but that's for a different time. <laughs> but anyway, so I will say you will get through this and you can get through anything and you will learn from it. Um, I met my husband living in that very, very, he lived in Indy, but living in that small town. So you never know what sort of personal and professional, you know, new things will come out of it. I love that so much. Uh, so my closing is, is a story and it begins in uh, 1999 because I am real old. And <laughs> this story uh, puts me working in a major corporation here in Indianapolis. And uh, they had thousands of employees. And uh, I worked there, I started in 99. And then in 2008, the recession hit. And I, along with a large portion of the workforce, were let go. So um, I have experienced uh, uh, this situation before. Uh, uh, it ended up being okay. The company took really good care of me financially. And at the time I didn't know it, but uh, they uh, did really good things to, to help us uh, move forward. Um, I ended up getting a position, um, what I would have called at the time my dream job. And I worked in that position for three years. And then uh, they also experienced uh, financial hardships and I was laid off again. So I, I've been through this twice. Um, and the second time I was six months pregnant. So oh. uh, uh, it just, uh, you know, it teaches you how to be resilient. And if, if, if I can make it through those two very difficult situations, you all as engineering and technology majors can make it through. I was an English major. Um, uh, the job prospects were not huge. <laughs> so I, I think with, with your majors, your chosen majors, I think, I think you all will, will, will come out of this. Okay. There's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be some roadblocks, um, but we're going to help you redirect uh, to get down the right street to help you find that internship or job that you're looking for. So um, please know that we are here for you. Uh, like I said before, we offer drop-ins six times a week. We do individual student appointments every day, Monday through Friday. We have a, a plethora of uh, resources on our website for those of you who like to uh, uh, think about this topic at 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, <laughs> and uh, we would encourage you to tune in for future podcasts. We're going to be doing uh, topics uh, that are very narrow in focus, like uh, resumes and uh, interviewing and networking. And uh, hopefully we will entertain you as well as educate you on some things. Thank you all for listening today. And uh, we hope to see you uh, uh, listen in on a future podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.